I want to play more creative than business, but I'm so business minded than creative mind, creative minded. What is the person you are 20 years from now want to see? It's crazy how you went from living in a fraternity house and then within two years, you're attending the Grammys and smoking a blunt with Mike Tyson. How kinda, does that happen? They just we're live. Danny. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I appreciate it. This is an honor that I'm on the show. Yeah. Big fan of what we were talking of a lot of the guests you've had so far. And so when you invited me, I was like, for real? <laughs> for real? Okay, I'll do it. Yeah, man, you, uh, you're you an incredible guest. I can't wait to break down your story. And yeah. it, it's crazy how you went from living in a fraternity house yeah. Two, three in the morning, your fraternity brothers are knocking on your door telling you you're an embarrassment to the fraternity. Oh, yeah. And then within two years, you're attending the Grammys and smoking a blunt with Mike Tyson. How kinda, does that happen? Man, uh, first of all, you've done your research, which is so funny. You were like reminding me of like different memories that I've like locked away in a safe, which is cool. Um, it's It's been the craziest two years of my life. Right. And it's not even a complete two years yet. Right. So August 2020 is when I would say like things started. And that's when I found out about the app TikTok. And that's when I started creating um, and ever, you know, a lot of ups and downs, but I've I've crashed upwards so far. Right. So like um, and the opportunities that I've gotten, like it, the foundation is from TikTok. But I mean, I like to call myself a social hacker as well. Right. So I find myself in situations where I'm probably technically not supposed to be, but yeah, you're right. Grammys was cool. Smoking a blunt with Mike Tyson's pretty cool. I have the tattoo right here. So, um, yeah. We'll definitely get into that. But when I looked at your story from afar, it really reminded me of The Third Door by Alex Benign. Mm. Are you familiar with yeah. that book? Incredible book. And just the way he was able to get himself into situations that he felt like he didn't belong into. It was incredible. And it reminded me so much of your own story. Exactly. No, I would. I completely agree. I actually didn't know about the third door until like six months ago or so. And um, when someone told me it, I was like, "Oh, this is this is what exactly what I subscribe to, right?" It's like, how can I get myself into situations that I can later leverage into bigger situations, yeah. right? And then just scale up from there, right? Yeah, it's it's one way. There's one way of going about that which like feels wrong and is like slimy and like mm -hmm. networking and like networking in like a, a weird way that doesn't yeah. sit right with me but it feels like from my perspective looking at the outside in you've you've done like a feel good networking with people who are like above your clout level like totally no no you know, you're like completely you've done right in a, in a real genuine way it feels yeah, like 100 right like i'm very aware of the superficial nature of it right it's like oh this guy has more clout or power or money and knowledge than i do it's like how can i extract as much of that as possible in a more like mostly selfish way but also i've that's yeah, there's a level that you go past that because one thing that i subscribe to is you want to play long-term games with long-term people Right. And so I'll give you a story of the first time that I met um, two of my closest friends today, Dylan, now my my now roommate and uh, Milad Merg, who's an incredible creator. Um, they both started on TikTok um, creating point of view fast food content. Right. So my, my my roommate, Dylan, he makes ice cream online where he puts a camera like at his neck, pointing down and shows his arms making um, ice cream. And Milad worked at a subway. 
right? And they gained huge followings, right? Not only because of the satisfying nature of their their visuals, but they told stories about their life on top of it, right? And so I saw their style of content and I saw that Dylan followed me back on TikTok, right? And when that happens, right, you get that set of DMs, right? You're, you have a channel of communication. And at this time, right, I didn't have many friends who were creators, right, being in that fraternity house, right? And the one thing I noticed is like, how are these people operating? This is so wild to me, I'm, I'm so curious. And so at the time, it was June 12th was the TikTokers versus YouTubers boxing event, right? And I saw this and I was like, this is, I, this is a huge event. Like this is something that like, if I play the cards right, I can, I can get myself just to meet someone else, right? And so automatically I, um, I started DMing every creator, right? Like mutuals and just people saying like, I have a free ticket. I didn't at that time, right? I lied <laughs> about that. I was like, I'll get the hotels, your trip paid for, right? On top of that, right? What's the one, one thing that every content creator wants? Content, mm. right? It's like, can I make a situation where um, these creators have like just viral pieces of content for them, right? And so this event, the YouTubers versus um, TikTok's boxing event, I also planned out different things for them. So when I presented that to Dylan, I was like, a free trip, you get viral content. There's no way you can say no to this, right? Like the only sticking point is like, am I a cool guy? Like hopefully he trusted me <laughs> at that point. Um, and so he said yes. And he's like, can I bring my friend Milad? And so I had two days with them, right? They, they agreed to fly down. Um, and you know, I could have gone into that weekend saying like, oh, if I can get myself on Dylan's channel with 10 million followers, that's going to be big ups for me, right? Or Malad's or like if they can get on mine. But instead I was like, you know what? These are the first connections that I have. Again, long-term games with long-term people. Let me just be friends with them. I'm not going to ask him for anything, right? Let me just, Dylan, like tell me about yourself, right? And um, throughout the weekend, they're, Dylan's one of the closest friends um, to date. We're roommates, obviously. Malad is a great friend of mine. Um, and that has led to so many opportunities, which I'll, I'm sure we're going to get into, but that's kind of the, the way I go about things. It's like as provide as much value as you possibly can at first, because you never know what you'll get in return. Was there anyone who taught you this way of thinking? Um, I think it was, it, nothing comes up to me explicitly. Obviously like the, there's the Gary Vee book, right? Jab, 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 right hook, which is very similar. But even when I think about the times when I, in the moment, it, it just, for me, it felt like common sense, mm. right? It's like, again, in a very superficial way, Dylan had 10 million followers at the time. I had like 300,000. There is no reason for him to really talk to me, right? Yeah. It's like, what can he get from me? Not, not, nothing really. He's way more successful than I am in terms of social media metrics. Um, and so I was like, okay, but what's a, what's a different way I could just get his attention? And so in that way, it felt like common sense. Yeah, and it's interesting. He, you, when you compare 300,000 followers to 10 million, <laughs> but, but 300,000 is a yeah. huge number. Yeah. And so there's a reason why Dylan followed you. Why did he look at that, your page, say, I want to follow this guy. I want to connect with yeah. him or I like his content. What was it about your page totally. that stood out? No, um, I think this is something that a lot of content creators don't really ever concentrate about, right? It's it's easy to concentrate on, let me just get the most number of followers I possibly can, right? Um, but no one really concentrates on the quality of a follower, right? Um, and what I mean by that is the content that I make is for other creators, right? Um, it's for other investors, entrepreneurs in the space, right? And when you think about um, that group, right, that's a very valuable group. And so the content, I, I, one thing that I've re realized is every content creator, um, it's a very lonely job, mm. right? Especially in the beginning, right? It's like 
you're the producer, you're the director, and you're the editor of your own content. And you're also running your own business. You're the CEO, CFO, and chief strategic officer, right? And you're playing all these different hats. And it, it's hard to like find people who have the same mindset and you like um, in the very beginning. Right now, 99% of the people I talk to is about the, this creator economy, right? But in the beginning, when I was, you know, in the fraternity house and Dylan was living in Michigan with his parents and Mulat was in Jersey with his parents, right? It's like, I want to talk about this thing we call like social media and like how we create content, but you don't really like know who to talk to. Right. And so when I, I started creating content about that, and so I have a lot of these creators who are, again, vanity metrics wise, a lot larger than I am, mm. but they follow me for the, these things. Same thing with investors who are trying to invest in this creator economy space, entrepreneurs who are trying to build in this creator economy space. So I've, I've found a, a, that's a hack, right? I found this space, this niche that there's a lot of attention in at the moment. Yeah. And especially high value people or people yeah. who have the power to put out one thing and, and totally exactly. impact a bunch of other people's minds. It's, it's incredible that you've analyzed that as the niche or that is yep. the, the group of people. I, I want to go back though to you at the fraternity house yeah. and it's two or three in the morning and people are knocking on your door and telling you you're an embarrassment. Yeah. Like what does that feel like at that moment and how do you contextualize that? Yeah, it's interesting uh, to dive into that moment. I remember that because, you know, in the, during the daytime, all of your fraternity brothers are friends, right? It's not until the drinks start flowing at, at two or three in the morning where, you know, I, um, once I really started getting into the groove of, in the very beginning of content creation, you know, I, I, I was so locked into it. So I'd go to bed at 10 PM, wake up at six. Right. I thought of like, I mean, that sounds not crazy, but in college, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Right. Um, and I remember I would think of like content creation as another class. So I'd block off mm. 9 AM to 11 AM on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and then, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. I'd be like, this is TikTok one one when I make a short form piece of content, I was so locked in. And then, you know, there was times where, um, there'd be a Thursday, Friday night where I wasn't drinking with my fraternity brothers and like I'd get banged like they'd bang at my door at three in the morning like dude you're the face of a I was the president two of my fraternity right they'd be like you're an embarrassment right now right it's like you're like what are you doing what are you posting online which to their defense I was posting some really cringy stuff in the beginning right I was trying to be a quote-unquote tiktoker right the most general type um but really I, I I knew I think deep down I was like this is I've never been more passionate about something Right. It doesn't feel like work. I know it sounds so cliche to say, but why like, were you so passionate? I um I think the the first time that I I really started looking into the spaces, I, I started binging David Dobrik's content, right? 2018. I think I had a little bit more of a special connection because we're from generally the same area, suburbs of Chicago, right? His early vlogs were the same places I went to as a kid, Woodfield Mall, things like that. I was like, that felt very like he felt like I was sitting right next to him all the time, right? And so, and I, I saw his content. I was like, this can't be that hard, right? Like I saw the camera he was using it was a point and shoot. That's like $200 at Best Buy, right? He's a later upgrade, whatever. Um, but I was like, I, I can do this too. And like, why do I feel so connected to him? Like, this is a crazy relationship I have with the guy I've never met in my life, right? A parasocial relationship, right? And I saw that. I was like, okay, hold on. Like, wait a minute, he just moved to LA. He's just, he just bought a car for some, like, so 
how much money is he making, right? And I'm a very business-minded guy, right? So I was like, okay, how, how does this world work? And I, I kept diving into it, right? So, I mean, like many others, I'm obsessed with YouTube. I'm obsessed with content. I remember there was a time I was taking a business ethics class and the assignment was, what's a company that had a controversy and how do they respond to it? You know, all my friends did Coca-Cola and like Volkswagen and Wells Fargo, right? And I decided to do um, Sienna Mae Gomez, who is another creator, a TikTok creator at the time. She was the face of body positivity. And she released a merch line that said, one question was like, did you eat yet today? Right? And like, it came, I think, out of like good faith, but people interpreted it the wrong way. And it was controversy. And I was like, I want to do this project on her. That's like the coolest thing to me. Like Coca-Cola is great and all, but like, I mean, it's been studied for 70 years. This is happening right now. Yeah. Right? And so um, it was a lot of things. I think it's just like how how like close it felt to like, I have a phone with a camera on it. I can make these vlogs, right? Um, there was a summer that I just spent like an hour or two every day on Premiere Pro until I got the hang of it, right? And it felt so natural. It didn't feel like work. It didn't feel like homework. Yeah, I, I was watching those vlogs of you buying Premiere Pro and then getting <laughs> it and using it for the first few times. Yeah. That was what, two years ago? Two years ago, yeah. How wild does it think? I think you said something like the life of a creator it's almost like you're going faster. And part of yeah. that might be because the amount of content you yourself are consuming. Mm -hmm. And But how long ago does that feel to you? Lifetimes. Lifetimes. I, uh, I've, I wrote about this in a newsletter that I read. It's like I say I think being a content creator is living four years in one. Yeah. Right? Just because, I mean, the amount um, I've learned this year, which it was supposed to be my senior year of college, right? I I've taken a gap year. I might take another gap year and a year after that. But um, the amount of experiences um, that I've gone through, it just trumps the other three three years of college that I've gone through, right? Like I've, I'm supposed to study like how to raise a fund or raise capital for a business in school. Like I've done that. It is right. I'm doing that, right? We raised 1.5 million. It's like, whoa, it's like, oh, what are what are these um what is it like to be in a top tech company? It's like, oh, I'm going to these Google headquarters now, right? And I'm watching how these people are like operating. And it's like, you don't learn more than when you're actually doing the thing, right? Like I've started like Tejas Huller LLC, my business as a content creator. It's like I've understood now how to set up an LLC. I've understood how to do taxes. <laughs> but um, that's like you, that's why I think you live four years in one. You just have so many more experiences in the same amount of time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so, was there a moment where you say, "Okay, I'm gonna definitely drop out at this point"? I finished my junior year, and um, at this point, I had like two hundred thousand followers, and I was like, "This." And I was, uh, I had my first brand deal. Right, I'll tell this story. So I was like, in um. It was in April or May and, you know, I've gotten like emails of like, hey, you want to support this NFT project and all this stuff. But then I get an email from um, an agency representing Venmo PayPal, mm -hmm. right? And I was like, Venmo? Like, <laughs> like V-E-N-M-O, like the same one that's on my app right now that I just paid for my friend for Starbucks, right? And um, they were like, hey, we love your content. At the time, I was doing really financial content, right? And then they were like, we're creating, we have this new campaign. We'd love for you to create content for it. I was like, whoa, what? Right. And again, like this is um, like May, a month before school ended. So I was like, I didn't really know what I was doing over the summer. I didn't have an internship like every other kid in my business school. And so I was like, OK, like I guess there's this is the first stop of like making money on, on this app. And um, she asked me, she's like, so like, what's your rate? 
And I told her, I was like, I'll be honest with you. I said this straight up. I was like, I have no idea like how much I should charge for this. And in my head, I was like, it would be awesome if I could like, it's a 60 second video. If I can make like 200 bucks, right? A hundred bucks. What am I talking about? Like 50 bucks. If I can make 50 bucks from a video, that's crazy to me. And I was like, how about you start it off? Like, I, again, like I, I have no idea. And she goes, all right. I mean, I really don't want to be disrespectful or anything, but like, how about we start at a thousand? And I was like, what? A thousand dollars? And like at the time I was like, yeah, yeah, a thousand sounds great. How about we go to 15? You know, I like tried to play it <laughs> off. So we go as a $1,500 brand deal. At the time I had like, like $8,000 in a bank account that I've worked for the last five years. So I was like, this is nuts. This is like, this is the first time where I'm not really trading time for money. You know, and that blew my mind. It was like what I've built so far is used as leverage to like ask for a larger price point, right? Or like in it blew my mind. And so from there, I was like, okay, like I'm going to stop school. Um, I'm going to keep going. At the time too, I was meeting all these different companies in LA, these startups who were like, hey, like love your stuff. Love to move you out to LA for three months. Wow. Right. Um, that's actually Stir, this company, right? Uh, my mentor today, Joe Albanese, he's the CEO of Stir. He, um, he was like, look, I think what you're building is super cool. How about I pay for you to come to LA for three months, August um, until October. Mm. So that's supposed to be my first semester of senior year. Free trip to LA for three months. I'll take that instead. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's that's kind of the decision process of not continuing. And then, I mean, now it's like I have a year lease in New York. Could I go back to school? I could, but like, this is kind of cooler. <laughs> <laughs> With the... The first brand deal. Yeah. And that led to, did that lead to the leverage video or was the leverage video first that went absolutely viral? No, the leverage video was in the summer. It was in the summer because I was, um, it was, yeah, yeah. That, that definitely inspired it. That was like, I think it's like one of the biggest lessons that to like learn to date, right? Understanding, I mean, so many people, especially in America, right? Um, the way they think about money is by trading their time for it, mm -hmm. right? And, um, I think what- Why do you think that is? It's how we grow up, right? Like that's how, I mean, the first job I ever got was hourly, meaning that like no matter how hard I try in that one hour, I'm going to get the same rate, right? Which was $8 an hour, mm. right? And I think um, it's, you know, Naval says this all the time, right? It's like people have this misconception of um, input equals output, right? And that like, he made the argument of like, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, right? He said, me and you, Joe, working 12 hours um, is making a lot more than the corner store guy working 12 hours, right? And like, I think it was the right time I listened to that. I just saw what happened to this Venmo, like this brand deal. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is leverage. Yeah. And um, it's, it blew my mind. And ever since I've been obsessed, <laughs> right? I was like, that's how the rich get really rich. It's yeah. like they've leveraged something where people are willing to pay, not because of the time they're going to put into something, but because of something else. Mm. Right? And for me, it's this catalog that I've created, this brand, this audience that I have. That was episode 1309. Of, 1309. Of Joe yeah. Rogan and Naval. You've said you've listened to it. Multiple many, times. Many times. Yeah. Every single time I've, I've, I pick up something new. Yeah. What about that episode in particular drew you in so much? Naval is so articulate and he even says this in that podcast, right? He goes, I think so many people memorize rather than truly understand, right? And that's, it called me out. I was like, what does he mean? And then like, he's like, ask someone to explain something and they'll give you, most of the time they'll give you a memorized answer, mm -hmm. right? But if you go far enough, they're not going to really under, like they don't, 
the, at the root of it, you don't really know what's going on, right? So um, at that point, I realized like going through school, I was like, I have so many of these memorized answers, right? Of like, oh, this is how, you know, what is something like, this is how two hydrogen is attached to an oxygen is because of these bonds and like, like that's so memorized to me, but like physically, how does that work to create water, yeah. H2O, right? Um, and that, again, it just kind of like blows my mind. I think like listening to all these, I mean, there's a reason they're all thought leaders, right? Because they like all like literally blow my mind. And I was like, oh, okay. That's, um, that's really interesting. I got to like really think on that. And yeah. so 1309 from Joe Rogan with Naval Ravikant is one that every time I listen to him, like that's a whole different perspective. And he put it in such a way, art, so articulate that I'm like, that stuck with me. Mm. You know, you talk about yourself as a new creator and yeah. doing this for two years. You must get so many inputs, not only from mm. content itself, but also people vying for your own attention and yeah. and offers and do this. Should should you do that? How do you go about making decisions yeah. when there's so much on your plate? It's so funny you say this because I was literally talking to Dylan about this like two hours ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right before this. Um, I do want to say like... I may sound like I know what I'm doing. You know, you we ha we do this podcast in one month. I promise you, like, at least 10% of what I'm about, like, this podcast, I'm going to be like, ah, I don't agree with that anymore, right? But that's part of the journey, right? I think um, I, I'm 21. I'm making every mistake you probably can in starting a business, but that's all right. But to your question, how many inputs? Let's start with content first, right? Um, if you look at my content on TikTok, it really is unlike what the majority is, right? Like I'm putting three hours in a video, right? Making it like kind of a production. Whereas a lot of people are taking their iPhone and they, um, whether it's a dance, whether it's a trend or whatnot. And the worst part of it all is they're getting, you know, 10X likes, 10X views, right? And, um, you know, I went, I just said earlier, right? Like I'm so concentrated on the quality of my viewers, but it'd be a lie if I said like, oh, the views don't hurt me at all, you know, and things like that, especially when you put a lot of time and effort into something um, and it doesn't perform well. And so with that, you know, I have people telling me, no, 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 double down on that, right? Double down, put six hours in a video and only post twice a week because like if you make a good story and really concentrate on it, it'll perform. Mm. But on the flip side, right, I have people telling me, mm, Tay, just like you post three to five times a day, mm. right? Just put those three hours into three videos, Right. See what happens. Right. You know, you don't know, like throw as many darts on a dartboard and see which one hits bullseye. Right. And uh, I mean, it's a whole spectrum of this advice of like, Steve, dive into three hours, go just 10 minutes into a video. Yeah. Right. And so that already like to this day, I'm still struggling with that. Right. And that's been something I've been struggling with for the last year and a half. Basically, I've never found the answer. Um, I've been just making what felt right at the moment. Um, so there's that. There's also different ways to run my business, right? You know, I um, I subscribe to the the thought of like, hey, Tejas, you're young. Like you should you should go and experiment with all these different things. Like go to the Google headquarters, go do this, do like this consulting gig, do the Snapchat show, do whatever, right? But also actually Samir from Colin Samir, one of the best pieces of advice he's given me was like, Tejas, if you want to be a creator, then you need to like double down on being a creator, right? It's like, don't rent so much of your time out to like these other opportunities. Like um, you want to, you want to minimize time rented and maximize the equity in the Tejas Fuller brand. Mm. Right. And so it's like, okay, now there's those things. Right. And so it's like, yeah, decision making is hard. 
<laughs> it's hard at the end of the day. Um, I think right now, the if I were to say like which route do I take, I'm taking the most um, risk tolerant route, right? So very, wait, is that the right way of saying it? Very aggressive, risk aggressive route, right? right? So if I lose everything, like oh, that would hurt so bad. But I don't have a wife and I don't have kids and I don't have a mortgage to pay. So I'm like, I'll take that route. So when it comes to content, right, a lot of people are like, you're doing it wrong. But I'm I'm going to I'm trying to say, yeah, I have I don't have the typical TikTok content. But in the case that this content does work, then I could have just started a whole new branch of what short form content could look like in that one percent chance. Right. And with my business. Right. It's like, oh, I to be the safest bet and to like maximize my cash flow. I should take all these consultation gigs. I should do this. But I really want to be a creator right now. And I really just I like love making stories in the one percent chance that works. I'll take that risk. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. OK, well, we have to circle back to stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you're incredible at that. But before we do. Yeah. You just mentioned you know, Samir from Colin and Samir is yeah. giving you advice. Yeah. That's incredible. Oh, my and, gosh. and a, a lot of people would, would pay a lot of money to just have that person oh, yeah. in their ear. So how do you get Samir <laughs> to, to be your friend and consultant oh, and mentor? Oh my gosh. Um, I've been a huge fan of those too. Um, for so long. I mean, it's crazy. So going back to that time, Joe Albanese, um, from stir again, he was like, Hey, um, come to come to LA, right? Be your creator in residence, right? Help us with the business that they're building, right? And you can make your own content, right? And um, you know, it's funny as I was considering this, he was like, "Hey, do you know Colin and Tamir?" I was like, "Do I know Colin and Tamir? What are you What are you talking about, right?" And um, they were. He was like, "Yeah, we're moving offices, and now we're going to be in the same office as Colin and Tamir." And I was like, "What?" That's crazy. And like, I had all low expectations, right? I said, I was like, yeah, if I see him once a month or whatever it is, like, that's fun. That's cool. Right? But I was such big fans of him. And I remember um, the like the first day I got to that office, I was just setting up like a desk or whatnot. And um, it was upstairs and the door was closed. And, um, you know, I hear Colin and Samir's voice in that office. And I look at the window and I see Colin's blue publish hat. And I go back. I was like, oh, no. Oh, my God. What's happening? What again? So I slowly open the door. I'm just walking down, just like playing it super cool and casual. They were talking to um, one of the one of the workers at Stir, and then somebody goes like, "Hey, man! Like, what's going on with you?" I was like, "How much? Just, just moved here, right?" And um, again, they were just across the hall. So I, throughout the next three months, I would go there um, and just stop by, right, and see like what's up. Like I can tell they're like when they're really busy. Then I just head out. I'm not trying to bug him at all. But, you know, I, at first, at the at, like our very first interactions was me going and I could tell that they were ideating on like titles and thumbnails, right? They were all sitting down. And um, whenever I was like, whenever I had a good idea, I just shout it out. I was like, oh, what if you change like this? I think that would be more attractive to me as a viewer of your content, right? I was like, this thumbnail, I think it's cool, but what if you did it this way? 90% of them, they'd shoot down. They're like, what do you like? But 10% of them, they're like, oh, that's a good idea. And so, and again, I never asked them anything in return, right? It was similar back to that Dylan Milad got like um, that conversation, right? Yeah. Never asked them, like never asked uh, Colin and Samir to be like, hey, can you be in my video? I did once, but after we were good friends. But um, in the beginning, I, I didn't want to ask them for anything because I found so much value in seeing how that production worked, right? I'm a one-man media production company, 
which is horrible sustainably. And like he, they've done such a successful job expanding their team and um, making an actual like sustainable process. And so I was like, I'm learning so much just being in this room. And I watched how they operate their business. And by the end of it, like uh, I remember it was like October. Um, I just asked Samir, I was like, Samir, like this is, I'm about to leave. I would love if I could steal 20 minutes of your time. And he's like, let's go on a car ride. And it, like 20 of the most impactful minutes of my life. Yeah. What happened? He, I, it was that conversation where I told him, I was like, look, at the time, um, you know, I was consulting Stir. I was their creator in residence. And the week before was a really tough week because um, Joe, again, another huge mentor of mine, basically told me, he goes, Tejas, you know, like, I see your potential, but so far what you've done with Stir has been pretty mediocre. Mm. He said that it hurts so bad, right? Because I'm, I'm an overachiever, you know, like I've been an, an A kid, like a 4.0 GPA type of guy. Right, like I love to just if there's an assignment in front of me, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability, and to hear that I was doing mediocre work to the one person that was like, I I'm gonna move you out to L.A. right and all this stuff, and I'm Joe for like listening to this, thank you for telling me that I needed I needed to be slapped a little bit there, mm -hmm. and um, I was just like shoot like I want to do better, but like I've also had this commitment. I was running my own podcast at the time too, right? I was in works with the Snapchat show. I was, again, I was just spreading my horses too thin. Is That, that was not a saying. Uh, we can make it a saying. Yeah, spreading my horses too thin, whatever that <laughs> the means. The horses were all over the place. <laughs> yeah, the horses were all over the place. <laughs> the conducting I should have, right? And in that moment, uh, Samir was like, well, what do you want to do, Tejas? It's like, do you want to be a creator? And he gave me a story where he was like, you know, I wanted to be in front of the camera for so long. And at the time he was working at um, a larger production company, right? And he's like, I was the assistant editor, right? And I was working hard at that. And then one of these supervisor editors came up to him, Samir, and said, hey, Samir, what do you want to do? And Samir's like, I want to be in front of the camera. I want to make videos. And he goes, you're in the wrong seat. What you're in the seat for is to be a supervisor editor, right? It's for you to be like one of the best behind the scenes. But if you want to be in front of the camera, you go do that, right? And that's a, like... Best advice, because I, I sat down, I was like looking at all these different opportunities I could take, very blessed for all these opportunities, but I said, I gotta bet on myself and be a creator. So then I, first time in my life, like right now is like 95% of my time goes to me and my abilities as a creator. Wow. Yeah. That must have been a, a difficult decision. I know personally, when I had told somebody I respect that I'm gonna do a job and then I don't actually enjoy doing it because mm -hmm. I enjoy doing the podcast or enjoy something else. It's yeah. like, it's very hard to make that decision. For me, it cost me, I would say like a month of depression of mm -hmm. like really going inward and like being upset at myself, like not being able to fulfill a duty that somebody else had for me. Yeah. So was it, was it the similar thing for you where you're like, you went into a, a negative funk? And if so, how do yeah. you get out of it or how do you not get into a funk? Yeah, I mean, I would expand that a little bit and say like the um, this journey as like now a full time content creator, um, a one man media production company. That's my fancy way of saying TikTok. I love right? it. Yeah, um, <laughs> is it's like the highs are so high, right? You go to the Grammys, you're meeting Mike Tyson, right? I just went to Formula One in Miami, right? But the lows get really low, and I actually just like. I took a one week break from content right before this um, because I like, was mentally not doing too well, right? And even still, I'm kind of, I'm climbing myself out of it, mm. right? I'm starting to create again, but um, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. I think um, you're, 
when you do really well on social media, your benchmark of what like well is just gets higher and higher. And like, it's always going to be peaks and valleys, right? You're never going to be viral 100% of the time. You're never going to have that hype 100% of the time. So it's like, who are you when you don't have as much momentum, right? And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I would say like, I'm in a, I'm in a point in my social media journey where like, I need to pivot a little bit. I need to innovate my content a little bit because right now the, um, the, the attention and the, um, the points that I'm making are not hitting like I, I want them to, right? And my audience, I can tell, is resonating with that. Mm. And so how do I get out of the funk? Um, I take breaks long enough until I just become so inspired to create again. Mm. So that break I took, um, luckily I had a friend who's another creator come by and he also wanted a break. So we were walking Central Park, just going to coffee shops, a lot of journaling, just in my own thoughts. And I woke up one day and I was like, just had this drive, that same drive I had um, to just create again. And so I was like, okay, this is the time. Like, I should let me make this idea, right? Um, if this idea does well, great. If it doesn't, I can shoot. I guess I'll take another break and then just like journal about that, really reflect. Um, yeah, it's all about feedback loops, right? So I make something, evaluate it, adjust, mm. go again. Have there been any impactful practices you've had that have allowed you to get into a more creative state? Ooh, um, I've deleted all the social media off my phone. The only way I view it is on my iPad, which doesn't have cellular data. And like, I don't take it with me anywhere really. You remember that dinner we did, right? I didn't have Instagram. You're like, hey, like this is my Instagram. I was like, oh shoot, I gotta wait till I go home and like on my iPad to look it up, right? At that networking event. Um, Yeah, I've noticed direct correlation. If I wake up and I consume content, because that's like, I mean, I wake up and if I do have it accessible to me, I'll scroll. Yeah destroys my creativity mm. right and it's because i've just sent the back like my again my content doesn't fit on tiktok and so when i consume 100 tiktok videos of you know um people doing trends and just I, I i don't mean mindless in a very like in a negative sense like it's but like entertaining content while i'm a, like a and an educator and i try to make deeper content i feel so out of place imposter syndrome mm. right i don't feel right so i i i noticed the days that i consume in the morning are the days i feel the worst so i've stopped i've stopped um consuming first thing in the morning i've stopped making it easy for me to consume content right and um that's number one thing that's really helped yeah what what made you decide to want to have deeper more educational content versus it's easier to create uh yeah. ed- entertaining content that's more vapid yeah um i like to say if someone was like tejas i'll give you a hundred thousand dollars if you can make a tiktok account go from zero to a million subscribers in six months like i can do it (laughs) like i know how to like make a viral account right um but there's like it's, it's 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 a mix of things why i do what i do i think one is like the small audience that does care, right? And small is relative, right? Um, the, of like the deep kind of connection content. It's like, there's no better feeling than to get your message resonating with someone. Yeah. That's, it's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Right. And then two, it's like, again, it goes back to the quality of an audience, right? It's like the emails that I get from people who are mentors of mine today and like people that are a lot smarter and cooler than I am that are like, I like what you're doing, right? Um, is assuring. And then like, superficially right i've never reached out for a brand deal right i like 
never once. It's like all these brands have reached out to me because they're like, you're on the right path. So I know on a business sense, I'm like, I found an area that is correct. Right. The day that I have to start pitching myself and convincing people that like, this is like, this is right. Like what I'm doing, but like people are already seeing that content market fit. That makes sense. And so now I think we, we got to transition to some yeah. of the, the crazy highs of the journey. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> okay, so rank the three events oh, that we spoke about. Man. Smoking okay. a Blunt with Mike Tyson, yeah. Grammys, and going to Formula One yeah. for free or sponsored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was the top of that list? Smoking a Blunt with Mike Tyson. Okay. That, so Yeah, go ahead. What happened? So this was a sponsored event, right? And... Um, you know, this is a this was a company that was working with my. They produced Mike Tyson's podcast, um, Hot Boxing, right? The Hot Boxing podcast, and it was a Super Bowl event. So I, I got an invite. It's like, hey, this is a trip to a Super Bowl. It's going to be in this mansion. It's a Super Bowl watch party in LA. I was like, all right, cool. Like, sounds good. <laughs> like, this sounds like a great thing to to talk about and to make videos about. And um, when I got there. Right, Mike Tyson, Daniel Cormier, the UFC fighter, Brandon Schaub, the comedian, and um, Brandon Marshall, which is a wide receiver for, um, I know him from the Chicago Bears as someone from the suburbs of Chicago. We're all live streaming and just show, doing the reactions of the Super Bowl. And one of their producers of that show came up to me and goes like, hey, the show's doing well and all, but like, we want some interesting segments. And like, they were just looking around at this party and I was like, Who can, who's willing to go on there and just like create a show? Right. And, you know, I'll be honest. I was a couple drinks in. Right. And I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Like, screw it. Like, uh, give me airtime. Um, and I had this whole thing of like, I had all these random fun facts. And I, this is gonna be fun. It's like how many chicken wings are eaten on Super Bowl day and like how many. Um, I just all these random fun facts. It was like chicken wings, like 1.4 billion chicken wings are eaten on that day. So I was like, none of them are going to guess it. It's good, funny banter. It's going to create like they're all going to fight about it. And like. So he gives me the mic on the live stream, right? And I start. Mike does? Or the, um, producer? the producer does, right? Yeah. And I'm talking to all of them. And I start off the whole thing. And I was like, hi, my name is Tejas. I'm a TikToker. And I'll be honest, I'm a couple drinks in right now. I don't know what Daniel Cormier and Brandon Marshall were saying to each other about it. But um, all of a sudden, Brandon Marshall physically picks me up and just like tackles me, right? And I was like, what is going on? broke the ice like i was nervous but i was like all right we're all but we're all cool now right and so uh yeah that was a, like he like tossed me around i mean he's i was like what what is going on and so i started and i was like all right i have a couple questions for you guys and um whoever's closest gets a prize i don't have a prize right i just said that and i said um like how many chicken wings are eaten on super bowl day and mike tyson goes i don't give a fuck <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, the other three were talking. And then I said my second question. I forgot what I said. And Mike's like, I don't give a fuck. He just kept saying it. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm just sitting, talking to them. And then Brandon Marshall goes, hey, you should, um, this is Mike Tyson's weed company, Toad. Right? It's like, uh, talk about it. I was like, I looked at it. And I was like, all right, well, buy Toad. Right? I'm like, I don't know. I guess you got a free promo out of me. <laughs> right? It's like, that's cool. Um, and then um, Mike picks up a pre-roll that he had on the thing. And he goes, smoke this. I was like, I can't do too much because I get really like paranoid on weed and it's a party going on right now, yeah. right? There's a, and I was like, uh-oh, okay. But I was like, sure. And then he lights it up for me. And I was like, I guess I've taken a hit. So I take like two hits of it, right? I tried, pa I was, uh, tried passing it around, things like that. And I tried to give it back to Mike and he goes, take another hit. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, this is so scary. Um, and so I did. I was really high and then um, pass it to Mike Tyson. And I was like, this is crazy to me. 
better. Like, what am I doing right now? Um, and yeah, was, and later that day at that party, there was a there was a tattoo artist there, and so I got the letters I S A B W M T tattooed on my hand again. No regrets yet, but I uh, I was a little intoxicated doing this. But it stands for I smoked a blunt with Mike Tyson. So it's on my arm, on, on my arm for uh for people for the rest of my life. So, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy because you went from. In the fraternity house to yeah. Mike Tyson's house yeah. or with Mike Tyson. Like, yeah. how does that get reacted to from oh. the college friends and people that didn't talk to me, talk to me. <laughs> right. So, I mean, look, I, it, I would have done the same if, if I was on another seat. I'm just grateful that like, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate where like I am a networker to where I have a lot of different connections, but I have a really close friend group. Right. I really only have like one or two friends from college to this day, right? And it's funny, like, he's one of my closest friends. I'm, like, flying to Nashville. He lives in the Nashville area. Cam, shout out Cam. Um, he's, like, one of my closest friends. He's so giving. And I know at the end of the day, like, he's he's going to be a brother for life. And, like, knowing that, I could care less what other people from college think, right? Everyone has their own opinions. Um, everyone, like, I think everyone makes a face at college. Like, you're trying to, like be like I'm my life is stable and like I have a job set up and I have like it's all but it's I everyone is you know struggling mm. right at the end of the day and if someone's gonna hate on me or like be like dude you're an embarrassment to the fraternity it's like they're dealing with their own things it's like I'm living the coolest life still so, getting hate though to this day no no I don't talk to kids oh. in my fraternity anymore I've completely separated wow. from that yeah which is crazy because if you if you talk to me sophomore year like as when I was the president 50 hours of my week would go into that house, right? That was like, I'm I'm pretty obsessive. I have a pretty obsessive personality. And like to make that house governed correctly was like the top of my mind. And now it's like content. Like I don't think about it at all, which wow. is kind of crazy, yeah. What makes you and that one friend you have so close and like why do you think that's going to be a brotherhood for life? Yeah, um, it's funny. I think we share a lot of the same values. He's a very giving guy too. And uh, that's one thing that I um that I... I found it so impressive, right? Whether it's like um, giving to his friends and not just like, not just like money or time, whatever it is. He's just so caring for other people when he doesn't have to be, mm. right? And he's been that for me um, to the point where now it's like, hey, that Super Bowl party with Mike Tyson, I, t I, I paid for a strip to go there too, right? Like I told him I paid for a strip to come to Flo uh, Formula One in Miami, right? And I just know like he's going to return it. He told me he's like, he knew I was having a hard time. Um, here and he's like come to Nashville like spend a week in Nashville like away from the city right like we'll go on walks in like these like th these forests in like Tennessee and like we'll have a no phone day we're gonna just disconnect and he's like he's so caring with everything and um that his mom's my accountant now so um <laughs> gotta, he's, gotta keep him close yeah, now. yeah right so um I love the guy he's he's amazing so um, I don't know I just calls me every day make sure that I'm good um, I make sure he's good right so yeah that's beautiful how much does the highs that you've experienced yeah impact the lows of feeling like well Ooh. I'm not smoking a blunt with Mike Tyson right now so yeah do I have to feel bad about my existence like does that ever happen um I think um in a in a secondary form yes mm. what I think constitutes a high and a low it's all about like just feeling the momentum you currently have online, right? And so, I, like, well, what I mean by it's secondary, it's like obviously when I was like 
when I was there with Mike Tyson, um, I was like, my Instagram was popping off, right? My, I, I you were the coolest kid online. Exactly, right? And so like that momentum was there, but also that was a cool event, but it was not a part of the brand that I'm trying to create. So I kind of discounted it. It was like, it's cool, it's flashy, got me in the news, right? Um, I'm sorry, not news. Uh, maybe, maybe, news. maybe, I don't know, <laughs> maybe. It got me on their podcast like platform. Like that was cool, but it's also not the brand that I'm creating. Right. Like I, I much rather, um, if that got like, Five million views. I'd rather get fifty thousand views on something that was like a lot more connected to me, the brand that I'm trying to create. That's a win, yeah. right? And so whenever I'm feeling a low, it's more about like, oh man, the momentum that is is just drying off right now. It's like coming to not a halt, I think, um, but it's slowing down. And that's when you're like, oh, it's it's scary. It's just like a feeling you have. Um, it's never one video. It's never one thing. It's like. Oh, for the past two weeks, I feel like um, the messages that I'm throwing out there are not being received to the magnitude that it once was. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Um, how do I deal with that? I think um, it's a great question. How do I deal with that? You tell me. How should I deal with that? I need to I need to figure that out. That's a golden question. If I figure that out, I can... Uh, I mean, it, the answer that I'll give is like, I am throwing as many darts at a dartboard until one like resonates and then I'll dive into that deep to dive into that more. Like right now I'm doing a series on my account. It's calling out the dark side of social media fame. Right. And I talked about a couple, right. Like this house in um, LA that I actually stayed at called clubhouse Beverly Hills. Right. It was a content house, um, but it was so shady. Right. And um, it's, and I talked about my experience there, but also the finances of it. And they went from, they're publicly traded. Weirdly enough, they went from like, whatever market had they were like each stock was like 16 bucks and now it's at 10 cents right wow. like they completely crashed um like their ceos on a lot of hot water with um relations and like ruining the mental health of like 15 year olds like tiktokers like all this stuff right and it's like just stories that like you have to be in the industry to know so i was like this is cool like let me like reveal them hmm. right i'm doing one um it's about to come out about a um a youtuber who is like He's eating so much for views, but it's like he's literally killing himself. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know if you know the name of uh, Nick, Nick, Nico Cado Avocado. Right. And it's like it's horrible. But like his his whole career is him getting views. And the way he gets views is by eating like 15,000 calories a day in a meal. Right. And he does multiple of these a day. Right. It's like that's so sad. So it's like I take these. I'm like, is this sticking? Is this resonating with an audience? Is the message there? Um, okay, kind of. Okay, let me do a couple more. If it's not, all right, what's the next thing I could pivot to? Okay, so the dark side of social media yeah. is going to naturally make you feel dark. Yeah. Your attention and focus is on the dark and the mm -hmm. things that go wrong. Yeah. Have you considered doing a, a light side of social media? It's unfortunate because um, I think it's like, I think it relates to like the idea of like loss aversion. It's like people just relate to negatives not relate. I think people are more interested in negative stories than they are any sort of positive stories of the same magnitude, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's just not as interesting to say like, here are the good things about social media, right? Versus like, here's the dark side or like the light side of social media. Um, but there are ways to do it. There's that, ways to do it. Like totally. Colin and Samir, for example, yeah. have focused a lot on the light of yeah. great creators of course. and how they've achieved success. Yeah. So it is possible. It is possible, yeah. Uh, the news predicates on... Yeah. Telling stories about negative events. Totally. It's easier to get clicks that way. Of course. But, That's a good point. But you spoke about how you don't really care about getting clicks as much as yeah. you care about 
how it makes people feel. Totally. And so maybe a focus yeah. more on the light could, I think, um, could also help your own mental health. A variable there is um, the the beauty and curse of the For You page mm. or algorithms that choose content for you is that the beauty is like discoverability. There's no better top of the funnel in social media today than that. The curse is though, is like you have no insurance um, in terms of like, if you waste a word in a short form piece of content, like it's a, your big, your competition's a swipe up until the next dopamine hit, right? And so it's like um, for Khan and Samir, when they're shedding the light side, right? It's like they have the liberty and the insurance to make a 15, 20 minute video about it, right? But um, I'm not making excuses. I think there's a way. There is a way, 100%. Yeah. There's always a way to tell a good story. Um, but right now I am taking the low hanging fruit of like, it's just much more attractive in a 60 second blog to make like, to show the visual of like what was once a 150 pound guy that was like healthy now is 300 pounds, right? Um, it's unfortunate to say, right? But you're right. I don't feel the best about that series, right? Um, but it's kind of the one that I'm researching at the moment. It's also, um, I'm, I'm in the process of hiring an editor right now. And it's like kind of the most low hanging fruit to um, get that process down. So there's all these different variables to like yeah. why I do what I do. Yeah. So with the editor, yeah. was that something that was difficult for you to outsource because yeah. you're such a good editor yourself? Oh, I appreciate that. Um, I actually don't think I'm a great editor, which we can get into. But um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, we've done one edit so far. It's very new, right? It's like something I put on an Instagram story like two weeks ago. And this person has been so proactive, right? And responding like, I didn't even know how well they edited. I just knew the way they've been communicating with me has been amazing. They've just like always on top of things, um, followed up when I forget things. And I was like, this is, this is like something that I'm not, I haven't found with anyone else. Right. Um, her name's Liz. Shout out Liz. Right. What does uh, Liz do in particular? Because a lot of people yeah. might be in that position of wanting to work with their favorite. Creator. Yeah. I think, um, one is the, she's coming to me with ideas which is like similar to what like I did with Dylan and Milad. It's like you want to give con content creators content, right? So she comes with me to, with ideas. She goes, hey, you know, right now at a time where I'm trying to pivot, right? The way you pivot is by stealing like an artist, right? I'm sure you know that term of like, it's hard to just pluck an idea out of thin air, right? So right now, like we're going through a lot of accounts that inspire us, right? And she gives me accounts. I'm like, this is reputable. Like, this is really cool. Um, she recently just sent me a scene in Euphoria, Right. And like, I like to take things from traditional media, right? Because you don't see it on TikTok a lot. And I was like, okay, the way that she thinks about things is really interesting, right? The way that she, I mean, communication is the basis of any sort of healthy partnership relationship, right? And the like, she's given me updates whenever, like, she's like, I think it's good when she told me, she's like, hey, I hope you know, like, I'm taking a trip uh, in two weeks for three days. I was like, oh. <laughs> I expected you to tell me two days before, but thank you for telling me that now. That's so proactive. Yeah. Proactive, proactive. Like, it's unbelievable. So I was like, let's work together. And of course, there's, um, with any sort of creative field to hire someone, it's not going to be easy. Colin Samira said it took them six to nine months to, like, really get on the same voice as um, their editor. Wow. Right? So I'm fully expecting that. So, yeah. But it's necessary to have an editor. Yeah, and you have such a business mind, too, where... You're you're more focused on the business side of things, but at the same time, you're also really creative as well. So it's like, how would you, if there was a hundred percent, fifty percent business, fifty percent creative, like how would you 
put the percentage wise in your own head of like in my like perfect reality yeah Ooh, that's a great question oh man i'll answer that in terms of um who's the perfect team for me because i think that's indirectly gonna answer that question right i think um in terms of like what percentage of business versus like creative do i want to play I think ideally I want to play more creative than business, but I'm so business minded than mm. creative, mi creatively minded. Wow. Maybe that's like relative. Um, I'll say this, going back to your point about being a good editor. The reason I don't think so is because I'm friends with like amazing editors. Right. And so my, like I, my anchor is here with that and I'm like here. Right. But I get comments all the time. Like your edits are great. Like the way you storytell is great. I'm like, oh, you should check out these guys. Right. Um, and so, like, I tend to do more business than I do creative. So that's why I was like, if I was to hire, I would hire an editor, right? Um, but I'd, I think I'd hire, like, a CEO of the business and then me being, like, the chief director or, like, the producer mm -hmm. of my content. I think that would be the most fun for me. Interesting. When you go about talking about people, it's so often in the context of, but I'm not there yet. Yeah. You say, oh, this person's got 10 million followers and I'm friends with them. I'm in this group chat with a bunch of people with a yeah. million followers. I don't know why I'm there. This person's a greater editor yeah. than me. It's a common theme in how you speak. Oh, wow. And oh so, gosh. And so, That's scary. You're good. You're good at your job. Thank you. <laughs> so where did that belief stem from? Or where does it stem from? Mm. I think it started off as an insecurity but has later, but now has transformed as a um, branding point. So when I look at, um, I, I think one of the most, um, one of the most valuable things for any content creator to do is to really define your audience. That's step one. So when I think about my audience, I go early entrepreneurs looking to scale, right? Creators fit into that. Creators are entrepreneurs, but also early 20 year olds looking for direction, mm. right? And it's like, the, I'm playing these two. And so for like, well, let's talk about Colin Samir, right? Because I do get compared with Colin and Samir a lot, right? I look at them as my mentors, right? As we all do, right? Like I think Rolling Stones recently called them the elder statesmen, right? The nice way of saying the the old guys in the, the, the space, right? They're writing the textbook for the creator economy. We have a very vertical relationship with them. They're our mentors, we're, we're their mentees. For me, it's like, I'm in the same space. I want to talk about the same things, but I want to be your peer, right? I want to be like a horizontal relationship. We're on the same level, mm. right? So it's like, I, I'm i not there yet, right? But I want to talk about that. I want to be very like um, transparent about that. It's like, you look at like, I'm meeting this person, I'm meeting this person, but here's a huge mistake that I made this month. And let me be very transparent about that. And it's like, here's a lesson I've learned. I hope you can learn the same, mm. right? And so the two audience, right? I said, I'm like, um, Early entrepreneurs are going to scale, right? I want to be that informative guide because I'm put in this position of meeting all these amazing people. But I also want to be your comforting peer, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, I know a lot of people facing the insecurities that I do, right? And it's like, I've, and instead of just hiding it and being like, no, it's, you know, I'm working on it. It's like, how about I make content about it? And I get a lot of comments. Like, it's, I, I really appreciate how transparent and honest you are in these videos. And it's like, okay, like, I've, I don't like watching myself like on camera doing it, but like I like talking about it, you know? Yeah. So it's funny when you said in the very beginning, it's like I was watching your old content. It's like that's why I don't watch my old content because I'm like, this is so cringy. Like I don't like it. I don't like it. But like I do appreciate that I did do that. Yeah. Well, it's funny how you mentioned wanting to be a peer and on the same level. Yeah. But 
Fortune magazine called you the Tony yeah. Robbins for yeah, the creator economy. <laughs> Tony Robbins, I think of it yeah. as a mentor. So yeah. how did that feel and to be mentioned? And and what was that yeah, I mean, article? Blessing. Blessing. How, what was it? I'm in a Fortune magazine article. Like, uh, that's amazing. So oh, crazy. Cool. Um, I'll, I'll connect back to like what I said is like you, we have this podcast in one month and a lot of the answers that I'm going to have are probably going to cha change, right? In the same way, like I thought of myself as a thought leader at that time. I was like, I'm going to be the next Colin and Samir, right? And I'm going to be this talking head person. Whereas like now I'm like, that was cool thinking, Tejas. Like that was cool. Like, uh, and you, maybe that is the right answer. But right now I'm like, I, I rather be that peer. So like, there's the, I love that article. Um, being called a Tony Robbins, I do think is a little incorrect, Right. Um, if I were to compare myself, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Gonna what, if I were to compare what, myself. How would you rephrase that analogy ah. today? Um, I think I would. Man, who would it be? Who would it be? I would come. Who's someone that's like building a business, but taking them step by step throughout the way, sharing like problems that they've done. A lot of YouTubers do that. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the fitness world, but Nick Bear is Nick Bear? somebody who okay. was incredible at building a business and showing the world, mm. I'm in the army right now, and then yeah. I'm, I'm ordering the first supplements, and now I'm now he's got yeah. this huge gym facility. Oh, wow. Okay. And really built up, and he's a massive creator. And this is what's so cool about the creator economy in general and people who are creators. It's so niche-specific mm -hmm. in that, Nick Bear is huge. Yeah. And if I say Nick Bear to a lot of people, they're going to be like, oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah. But you didn't know who he was. Yeah. And which is amazing in a way. Like when Elliot Choi walks into the, <laughs> to, into the dinner, I'm, I'm freaking out joking. But it's like a lot of people walk by Elliot Choi today and be like, who is that? Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing yeah. in that people can have massive oh, audiences, so cool. but also be unrecognizable to yeah. another segment of the population. Yeah, I think that's where this creator economy is going towards, right? Like um, you talk to anyone ultra famous and they're like, this sucks, <laughs> right? But it's like the coolest thing when you're wrecked, like everyone, everyone wants to be appreciated, right? It's like, um, and so when people know who you are, I think that's a, that's a great aspect. But like, I want to be able to walk the streets in New York City without being like, oh my God, right? Have um, you gotten recognized? Yeah. What yeah. is that like? It's so cool. It's it's kind of scary because it's one of those things where they know a lot about you and you don't really know anything about them. So it's like, I saw you just did this with someone. I'm like, how are you doing? Like, what do you do? You know, it's like just so weird levels of communication, but um, craziest feeling. It's one of those things where um, I remember sitting at a at the Miami Heat State, sorry, the Miami Dolphin Stadium, and I was like, how many people like sit in the stadium right now? It's like sixty thousand. I'm like, wait, that's like the views I get yeah. on a TikTok. This is this is what I'm on right now. I'm on, yeah. on the stadium and everyone's yeah. watching me. Yeah. It's crazy. And you do you don't realize like these these numbers that you're just so um you just like kind of throw around, you're like, oh 60k, damn, that's not great. You know, it's like, oh, I only got 15k views on this. It's like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, that's fifteen thousand people that like watched and like saw a message that I put out in the world and like that doesn't hit until you get recognized I feel yeah I saw a text exchange you had with a friend yeah. where you were saying the friend was saying you know I'm only getting 17 views or something like that yeah. and you were like take take time like that's 17 people who are yeah. taking time out of their day yeah 
especially on YouTube, right? I always like put all these YouTube creators who um like who make long form content. It's like I look up to them so much because the relationship that they have with their audiences, the audience could be doing anything in that time, yeah. right? So like take a ten minute Elliot Choi video, right? Especially where it's him going throughout his day. He's got a quarter million plus people that are like, in the next 10 minutes, I want to dedicate it to this video. I could do anything else, right? I could do things relatively more fun or whatever it is. Like, but I'm going to like, out of the 10 minutes that I have in my day, I'm going to dedicate, I'm going to click on this video. Mm. Right? And I think that's crazy. It's so special. So we said we'd circle back to storytelling. Yes. You have maybe the most succinct and beautiful way that I've ever heard anyone say about how to tell a story. And when you said it in a podcast that I was listening to, to research Whoa. this one, I was like, oh, wow, that changes everything. Oh, my gosh. What did I say? Build up tension. Oh, yeah. And release it. Yeah. So simple, so profound, and build up tension and release it. That's a yeah. story in a That's nutshell. How did you come up with that? And where? what does that mean exactly? Um. Wow. Great question, dude. You do such good research. This is like you're like reminding me what I've said in the world too, which is crazy. Um, I you know, s- storytelling is everything. I think it's like the <laughs> the only reason anyone's interested in anything. I'm pretty sure I said that verbatim in a TikTok video. <laughs> um, but it's like any relationship that you have, any content you consume, any. It's like it's all because of like the story underlying it, right? And so when I learned about this concept, I think there's a Casey Neistat video about exactly this, right? Where he's like, I think the title of it is like how to tell, how to make a vlog like Casey Neistat. And he goes about talking about um, the the simple way to tell a story is always, it's a three act system, right? So act one is like setting the situation. Act two is um, revealing a problem. And act three is showing the solution. But do you think you take any sort of um, story or like movie or whatever it is, and it's it always follows this format, right? You can get into more specifics, like there's the hero's journey, right? There's, you know, many different like arcs you can go. And I was like, that's like the three acts is great. But I was like, can I simplify this anymore? Right. And like, I was like, all right, three steps. Let's go to two. Right. I think it's really just you build up tension, you release it. Right. It's like, um, um, what's an example? Right. We talk about Elliot Choi, right? Elliot Choi, what he what he does, right? The tension that he's being built, like he's building up right now, is like he's a 23 year old in New York City building a business, right? The tension is: is he going to succeed? Is he going to fail? That's from the macro level, very macro. So, like on the micro level, he's probably doing that in every video he puts yeah. out as well. Yeah, I think the beauty of social media is like each piece of content is just a jigsaw puzzle in the bigger picture, which is the tension release. So what? tension are you building yeah. in your own life right now from the macro level of yeah. why somebody should follow you? That's a um, similar story to that. It's like, I'm this kid in this newcomer creator economy. I can't read a textbook about it, right? Like how to be successful in this creator economy. It's so new, right? Like if I want to be a successful accountant, right? I can find 13 editions to how to do that, right? Um, I'm taking probably the most risk that I probably can take at the moment, mm. right? Um, moving to the most expensive city in America, right? Um, without any sustainable income, really. Um, you know, I can make $10,000 one month. I can make zero another, right? So that's over looming me. And I have this dream 
to be um, a full-time storyteller and build businesses underneath that. And so the tension is, am I going to succeed or am I going to fail? I'd follow that guy. Yeah, right? <laughs> and at the and throughout it, it's like, I'm trying to share the process, right? You, I, you've inspired me to make a video about kind of the, um, the, the mental health aspect that I'm going through, the pivoting that I'm going through. I'm definitely mm -hmm. going to make a video about that. I Love think that's that. like, when I think about that, that overarching story of like, who is Tejas Halur? What is he trying to say? That's such an integral part. So yeah. that's a jigsaw puzzle that I'm going to put in my 10,000 piece picture of who Tejas Halur is. Yeah. Right. Um, that's it. It's any movie you watch. That's that's it. Forrest Gump. I recently just rewatched it again. And again, one of the best movies of all time. Right. It's like, it's, it's really just tension release. It's like, is Tom Hanks or Forrest Gump, is he, there's many of them, right? Is, is he going to get with Jenny or is he not? Right, he's obviously um, he has some mental disability. In the show is like, is he gonna overcome that in any of these situations? Right? Oh my gosh, he's like, with he's in Vietnam right now. Right? Is he gonna survive? Is he not? Right? Tension. Oh, he survived it. Release. Right? And that's what hooks people. Right? Everyone wants to feel something, and it's all through tension release. Yeah, I love that. And it's so funny you talk about there's no textbook mm. for the creator economy because it really hit me. When I started looking into NFTs, I was like, you know, it's funny. You can't buy a book about how to buy yeah. an NFT or what an NFT is. And if you can't buy a book about something, that lets you know you're on the cutting edge of it. Yeah. Oh, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Um, you're right. Uh, how do, uh, where do I go if I just want to look up how to become a successful social media creator? You'll find 10,000 videos of like how to be a successful YouTuber. That's different than how to be a successful TikToker. But I mean, especially in this space, everyone's success is conditional on their own experience. Hmm. Meaning that like you ask Charlie D'Amelio how um, you become successful, she'll give you a completely different answer than Ali Abdal, who'll give you a completely different answer than Colin and Samir. Maybe not. They're, they're two kind of similar. But who'll give you a completely different answer than David Dobrik, right? So it's like, Whoever you ask for advice only knows success through how they've gotten it. Yeah, it's a great point. But you've made also the idea that every creator has four things in common, mm. which is passion, yeah. consistency, perseverance, and innovation. Yeah, that's my. Uh, those are my four variables to 100% success on social media. So I guess I'm completely contradicting what I just said. <laughs> no, but, ago. but it's I, great that you've found a yeah, formula. That, it's a, it's that a clickbaity way of saying like, um, what I've noticed in the space, whenever a creator is having trouble, including myself, you know, over the last two weeks, is always because of one of these four variables. And it just gives you a nice visual of like, um, okay, which one of these four am I struggling with at the moment? Am I creating right now what I'm passionate about? 100%. That's no question there. Am I being consistent? Not as consistent as I should be, right? But um, like, I got to keep posting more, right? I got I to gotta post at whatever cadence. It doesn't have to be once a day. It doesn't have to be once a week. But like keep it something consistent that you can, again, feedback loops, right? Mm. Um, if I post once a week for 10 weeks, I'll have something to measure. I'll have 10 weeks worth of data to measure and make my next decision, right? That's where consistency comes from. Perseverance. Am I persevering right now? Yeah, things suck right now, but I'm going to be a content creator as long as I don't give up. That's not the problem. What's the last one? Innovation. Oh, oh, I've been making the same content and the same style for the last three months. Is it getting old with people? I think so. I think that's my problem. Okay. That's now giving me the direction to like, how can I change things up a bit? Who can I steal like an artist from? How can I 
So that it's really just a clickbaity way of saying like, here, if you're struggling, here's the first step to taking the the direction you need to to figure out how to change if you need to. Hmm. When you do these videos and you mentioned it like being in a clickbaity way, like how much of it do you script out before you voice over or before you film it itself? Yeah, how much all of script, it. All of it scripted. All of it. Wow. Yeah. How how does that process look like from idea to creation to posting? Yeah, I think um right, I revealed to you um the idea that I want to create of something about like this pivot that I'm currently taking and what it's like um I, I want to say every idea that I try to create with is that I try to create about like I need to make it as concrete and concise as possible in one sentence. So like this idea is not a good idea yet because I couldn't tell it to you in one sentence, mm. right? What the idea is. Um, this YouTuber is killing himself for views. Mm. Oh, that's like that means I can relate in 60 seconds. I can expand on it. That's a good idea, right? Um so yeah, once I get the idea, right, take the YouTubers killing himself reviews. That one is different because um, I'm writing the script and the voiceover first and then adding the visual to it. A lot of my videos are a lot of like spontaneous filming. So I'll record a bunch of videos and then in later craft the script and then match it up. Mm. Right. Um, but for this one, I put a lot of research into who this guy is. Right. And then I was like, I wrote um, what I thought was good, let it sit for like an hour. I'm like, eh, this part's slow. This part's not interesting. Take it out. Um, this part, I could make it more impactful. I'll give it someone else to read, right? Um, and just try to get as much data to like what can be the most successful script and then um, go from there. Hmm. But for the spontaneous videos, like if I'm um, at, at the Super Bowl party with Mike Tyson, unfortunately, TikTok took that video down. Really? Yeah. Why? Weed. Oh. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of footage, right? And I was scrolling through this footage, just scrubbing through it. And I'm like, what's the most, um, what's the concise way of telling a story with this footage? Mm. So then, yeah, everything's scripted though. Everything is 100% voiced over. Um, yeah. Do you think that there's people that are out there who don't know that it's scripted and are comparing their unscripted videos to your scripted videos? Oh, I've never thought about it like that. Um, I think so. I... I think the way that I voice over, I feel like I've mastered it to the point where it doesn't sound scripted. It doesn't. Okay, cool. So thank you. That, that sounds great. Um, yeah, I think that that's a problem. I should probably tell people that I'm scripting everything. It could be. Yeah. Um, I would say this to anyone who's like mostly a consumer trying to be a creator. Anything that like most creators that I know have scripted or at least pre-productioned 99% of things. The things that you don't think are like like things that you think are spontaneous and in the moment, like chances are they're not. Wow. Chance the most things are rather not, right? Um, there's a lot of work that goes into the videos that seem simplest, right? Huh. Yeah, that, that, makes that makes sense. sense. Yeah, it does make okay, sense, okay, cool. but it's it's like breaking the the glass yeah. wall for the It's like consumer. when you learn the how a magic trick works. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the ways you did a magic trick was by scripting the video or filming the video of you with your grandpa. It was mm. it was incredible. The everyone I'll link it down below. The, oh. the video is so phenomenal. It just pulled at my heartstrings. Yeah. Your grandpa leaving, going back to India. Yeah. Like how how did you create that and and what goes through your mind today when you think about that video? Yeah. Yeah. So that video is a at the surface level, it's just a vlog of me and my grandpa going to the mall, right? On like the last day um, before he was going back to India. And, um, you know, we're 
my grandpa and grandma are getting at that age where it's like, hey, they went to India. When are they going to come back? Because my grand, I've had this cadence since I was, you know, five, six years old where I would see my grandpa once a year. He'd come back to America, right? Or I'd go to India or something like that. Um, but, you know, the conversations were being had of like, especially my grandma is getting to that age where it's like, it's hard for her to take a 14-hour indirect flight from South India to Chicago, right? Um, and so I was making that vlog and it was the last day and I'm finally like, um, this is a whole nother topic, but I'm a lot closer to my parents and grandparents now. Um, I was never like that growing up. Um, it was not until I went to college and I was like, holy crap, like that time is really valuable. And so, um, yeah, I, I made that vlog. I knew in that vlog that the voiceover was going to be something about like, is there a way to prepare for someone's death? Mm. Right. It's like I'm very conscious that I will get a call one day. Right. Um, saying like, hey, I. I, I hate to break you the news, but, you know, your grandpa's passed away, right? Like, that call is inevitably coming, right? So it's like, if I know it's coming and I know it's going to really hurt, right, that day, that call, um, is there a way for me to prepare for that, right? And I, I texted a couple of people that and, um, you know, no one really had an answer for it. And I was like, okay, that's a really interesting concept, Um yeah, that video is one I didn't promote anywhere, right? I simply posted it. Um, I didn't really want to promote it, right? I was like one of those things where it's like the fans that are super fans of mine, that's that's the gift to them. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> that's me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know why I didn't promote it. Maybe I should have, but I'm, I'm looking. I It's one of those videos where it'll come across my mind in a year, two years, maybe a month from now, you know, maybe when that day comes and I'm going to be like, I'm very happy. I'm very, very happy I made this video. I always thought about having a conversation and recording it. You know, I'm yeah. as a podcaster, that's what I do have conversations. For you, it makes sense. Create a vlog. And it's just yeah. another way to m have a memory for people you really care about. And it's like, could you create a vlog for your parents, siblings? Mm -hmm. Like, it just makes me think of there's so many possibilities to yeah. just keep people. We have. We appreciate people so much when they pass away, but can you think like that today, even yep. if they're still with us? Exactly. Well, what's your answer to that? Can you prepare for someone's death? Someone, a close family, friend? Yeah, I, I've i been preparing mentally for my grandparents to die yeah. for a long time, like for at least like three years. And it's made every time I spend with them, every moment, so precious. They they don't look like they're gonna die anytime they, soon. Yeah, they're in their eighties. They're they're walking around. They're doing great things. They're sharp as could be. Yeah. But in the back of my head, I'm always saying like, this could be the last time I ever see them. And they're yeah. not even like close to like it doesn't look like that from yeah. the outside. Same. But I just know and I, and it it makes me more appreciative. And yeah. I, and I record conversations and I and I make sure to really be there yeah but it's like could we do that with our friends mm. could we do that because yeah, you who never knows know. you never know who knows yeah 100 percent. so you you said on uh march 13th i believe i often look back and say wow i was a dick to my parents <laughs> yeah well where did i say that again you tweeted it i tweet oh i did tweet it okay yes um in literally until i went to college which is funny that I, I was in college like last year. Like, three, <laughs> well, my, my freshman year of college, um, 
you know, I got to that age, like 18, 19, where I've started finally like living by myself where I was like, oh, that's why they told me not to do that. Mm. Like, oh, that's why they did this to me. Right. Or, um, you know, this is why they gave me this hard time. Right. And it wasn't until that realization where um, I was like, okay, everything, everything's clicking. Like I'm the, the way I treated my parents in those moments, I'm like, how, like I would have like smacked myself. <laughs> right. If like, um, like they had so much patience with me and they were like, they waited 18 years basically for me to have this moment. And now we like talk about those moments. And like, I'm like, in a similar sense of what you just said, it's like, why I, I was never close with them. Right? I wouldn't tell them anything. I wouldn't really tell them who my friends were. I wouldn't tell them like what my thoughts were. I would be like, you know, and hey, Tejas, how was school? Good. Bye. Like it got to a point my senior year of high school where my dad confronted me and he goes, Tejas, you use this house as a place to eat and sleep. You don't talk to us. Hmm. You um, don't hang out with us. You're rarely here. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was not any one moment that I had with my parents where I was like, like I was a straight up dick, but it was just like the culmination of my young adulthood right before college where I was like, damn, I like didn't, I had made, I made no effort to get to know them. I, you know, it's funny. I didn't even really know what college they went to until like two years ago, right? I didn't know their childhood. Like I made no effort really to like get to know them because I was like, I always thought that thought, thought of them as like a nuisance. Mm. That's why I was like, I was such a dick to them. What changed exactly? It, it was that moment of like, it, I was no longer a kid. I was an adult having to make like, you know, I mean, college is kind of fake adulthood. It's like baby steps into adulthood. But like, I'd have moments where, um, you know, I, for example, your parents would, I, I would sneak out a lot. And I would, I, I'm a pretty big, I was much bigger of a partier. Um, and there was, there was a night in college where, or sorry, there was in high school, I would drink a good bit. But there was a night in college where I drank way too much, hmm. right? And, uh, you know, you always hear your parents saying, like, don't drink. Don't, like, stop. Like, what are you doing? Like, even when I had a beer with my parents at home, they used to, like, stop that. You know, I'm like, what are you, what's your problem? Like, I'm not going to get drink all, drunk off of one beer, right, all this stuff. But it's, like, that mindset that I had that was the problem. And so, like, when I was in college, you know, four and a half hours away from my parents, right, and I had that moment and I woke up and I felt so bad, right, I blacked out, puked everywhere, like, I had friends take had to take care of me it was the most embarrassing thing i didn't feel good until like literally 24 hours later right um i was like oh okay that mindset i had a i'll say this too my um my mom back in middle school made me do made me do this like online math course and the way like our transact our deal was like hey just you can do things that are fun if you complete these courses and to this day you know what i'll take this course was horrible Right. It would like it would punish you when you get something wrong. So it's not like you'd have to get 100 percent, but it's not like um, or you'd have to get a score of 100. But if you get something wrong, it would deduct points from you. Who thought of this? That's the worst. They like just keep me at that number. And um, I remember my friend was like, um, Tejas, like you want to go to Six Flags with me? And my mom was like, you have to complete these six. And I was having so much trouble on this one. And I was just screaming at my mom. And I was like, Mom, I'm not going to finish this. And she's like, you're not going. You're not going. And I was like, I was so mad at her. But I mean, to this day, the the discipline, the discipline she like, she taught me that I didn't even realize is not, nothing other. Right. And so, um, so grateful for that. And it's like, she took the brunt of it. She for 18 years, but now I'm like, I'm so grateful you did that. You know, 
how do you then make it up to your parents or at least yeah. have a forge a better relationship? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a lot more conscious um, when I hang out with them. I think that's number one, right? Um, learning more about them. Like my my relationship with my parents have never been better to this day, mm. right? Um, I make it whenever I'm traveling, um, you know, at least going out west or anything like that. Um, I always make it a thing to spend the extra two hundred bucks to go to Chicago, spend a day with my parents, then come back to New York, right? It's like, oh, mm. I always do that. Why not, right? Um, but also, I'm just a lot more honest with them. Now they know who my friends are. They know where my head's at. They know like who I am as a person. I know who they are, right? I understand like through, like they grew up in traditional India. Like I get it, mm. right? Um, I remember this is a little off topic, but it comes back. It's like all my like close family friends and um, their their kids are a couple years younger than me. And there was a moment where they were all going to college, their first year in college, and I was um, a sophomore at this time. And it was like August, they were about to send their kids and they were asking me, they're like, hey, just like, how do I make sure they're going to be okay? I don't know what was in me that day. I decided to just be so brutally honest with them. I was just like, I think you've already failed. I basically <laughs> told them. I was like, you've set this cadence up with your um, your children that they don't tell you anything. Um, like, I had I made that mistake of, you know, drinking too much and like not telling them and like being in bad situations when I should have just told them. Right. And like, let them know like, like that I was okay. And I'm like doing whatever. Right. Um, and then they would have given me advice or whatever it is, but like, like at least they knew. And um, for them, I was like the, the way you've, you, the relationship that you have with your kids right now are, is that like, they won't tell you anything. They're going to just tell you every time you call them that everything's good. Right. That like they're making friends, school's going all right. And it'll be just this level one conversation. Right. It's like, you have like there, there's more to that right there's more that's happening in your kids lives that than they're telling you mm. and it's because like you're very distant with them i think it's just them growing all growing up in traditional india but um yeah breaking that wall making it not just like level one conversations yeah i've never thought about conversations being at levels yeah but it's like the deeper you go and that's what i try to do with these podcasts is try to go as deep as possible yeah. below the surface and that's why i suggest to people to have conversations where it's recorded between yeah your parents and you because you'll go deeper you'll you'll be able to find out things that you otherwise wouldn't yeah. have known yeah um going back to cam that like my best friend from college you know i, I think a huge shifting point was there was one night we were just hanging out you know smoking a couple stogies and just like hanging out in an apartment and we were gonna watch like a basketball game but i think something came over me i was like man have you ever uh, heard of the game like we aren't strangers yet right and um I don't have the game. So I looked up the Quizlet version, which had all these like really deep questions. And I was like, you know what? Well, like turn the TV off, right? Like put your phone aside. Like I'd love to just ask you these questions, yeah. right? And they're like really tough questions. Like um, I can't think of any one off the top of my head, but like I remember going to bed that night um, and I was like, I, I just feel closer to Cam. Like I understand him in a whole different level. He understands me at a whole different level now. Wow. I think it was such a pivotal moment. Right, and like that's why he feels like a brother to me. Wow. What was the name of the game? Uh, we aren't strangers yet. I we aren't strangers yet. We aren't strangers anymore. Something like that. Okay. Um, funny enough, Yes Theory. You know, Yes Theory. The, yeah. Those YouTubers they created um a similar game called um Spark, mm. I believe. To so. spark deeper conversations. With yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a card game. So you pull a card, and it's a just a question. And it's like everyone takes turns answering it. Um, they're very deep questions. Yeah. Very cool. So. Closing it off on friends, yeah. I know your friend Dylan 
It's opening yeah. up a ice cream shop. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. He went from it's all right. creating <laughs> to to creating an actual physical store, yeah. and you played a, a key role in mm-hmm. making that happen, and will play a key role in, in making that happen in the future too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, crazy story. I think um, one of the coolest things, right? So Dylan LeMay, right? He has eleven million followers on TikTok, three plus million subscribers, and like in the most antithesis way that I think you can do on um, YouTube and TikTok. They're not flash. It's it's unlike, um, you know, the Mr. Beast way of things, mm. right? He um, he makes ice cream, right? So again, straps a camera to his like neck, points it down at his, and he worked at a Cold Stone for nine years. And so he'd just show him making ice cream. It's very visual, very satisfying, but he'd um, voice over different stories of his life or like what's happening in his moment. And like, he's got this amazing fan base of people who are just connected to him and like what he does. And so um, I remember that that TikTokers, YouTubers boxing event one month prior, um, one of my audience members, um, so one of my, the fans of my content was a guy named Chris Camillo. Right. Uh, he has his own YouTube account called um, with his two best friends called Dumb Money TV. He's just this like incredible investor, unbelievable investor. Um, he, somehow just he, his uh, uh, that his YouTube account is like about him, him and his friends turn, turning thirty thousand dollars into thirty million dollars. Wow. Right. And it's like it, one of the nicest guys. And um, he I got in contact with him and he's like, hey, come to L.A right? Let's have a meal. Right. And so we had this like two hour long meal, just getting to know each other. And he goes, Sages, I think like I want my next investments to be in the creator economy space. And you obviously like know the pulse of the space. And I was like, yeah, my goal is really just to get to know as many people in the space as possible. Even now in New York, that's like kind of the role I'm playing. Um, he goes, if you know a creator that has a great audience and like some sort of product or something, they want to take it to the next level. Let me know come a month later, right? I hacked my way into getting um, into conversation with Dylan. And um, we were talking and Dylan goes, it was like, I remember it was like two hours before our flights. He's like, yeah, I think my next steps are to create in my own ice cream shop, right? Because he's like, I worked at Cold Stone. Um, things with Cold Stone in terms of like whatever partnership they were doing is not working out. Like, I want to start my own thing. I was like, that sounds really cool. I think I know the guy that could help. That was June like 14th, June 17th. Um, all three of us have a call. And from there on, it was like, oh, let's make this happen, right? And they asked me, they were like, what type of role do you want to play, Tejas? I was like, I want to be on this journey. Like, this is so cool, right? And so, um, yeah, I um, right now my role, yeah, you know, role, whatever you want to call it, chief content officer, I call myself a creative advisor. I don't spend too much time, right? Uh, but my, it's really to help Dylan with his content, understand what is the, what is the marketing, the content, going to look like for Catch an Ice Cream. That's the name of the company, right? And um, work with creators and uh, we're work with different companies in the creator economy space to, you know, make this as cool as possible. So very mutually beneficial with me because I'm trying to connect with all these cool companies and these cool creators who are trying to get involved. Yeah, it's awesome. And just to see how you played such a critical role in that, is, yeah. it's so cool to see. And so what is the future of your role with that store? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, jumping back to that car ride, that 20-minute car ride with Samir, mm. right? Um, one th- at that moment, um, I, was, I was really debating on, am I going to be an operating partner in this, right? And, and um, Chris wanted me to be the, Chris wanted me to be the main operating partner. I mean, that's like 
40, 50 hours a week, right? right? It's like, I'm running the P and L's. Like I'm going to look into hiring. I'm going to get the key partners for this thing. Hmm. Um, under obviously the guidance of Chris. And um, I, I was like, you know, this is a good salary. It's good equity. It's like, I will be in the creator space still. And I was talking to Samir about it. He's like, Tejas, you want to be a creator, don't you? Right? Like, do you really like, you can be this operating role, but you're not going to be a creator anymore, at least to the level that you want to be. And so that's why I was like, I had to tell them straight up. I was like, this isn't the right role for me at the moment. Right. But I would love to be involved. And I think the way that I can be involved is making, um, is doing what I do best. That is understanding the content world and understanding the creator world and connecting that with catch and ice cream. Right. So this isn't just a normal ice cream shop. This isn't like a scoop and give place. Like it's so social media driven. Right. It's, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't reveal too, too many details quite yet, but, um, I, what I can say is it's very experiential. Yeah. Well, I want to just take a second to commend you <clears throat> for your unbelievable level of self-awareness yeah. and knowledge of where you want to go because a lot of people might look at the opportunities you've been presented, take them and run with them. But mm -hmm. instead, you've had a level of understanding that's not your path. And I just really appreciate talking to you for however long we've been talking yeah. and getting to know your story at a no, different I level. I mean, that self-awareness self is just driven from, I mean, you know, I, I'm such a strong believer of that quote of like, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You're the average of your top five people you hang out with, right? And it's like, I'm just, I've put myself in a place that where I'm just surrounded by so many mentors and people that like push me day to day. Um, and uh, people like Samir, like Chris Camillo, like Joe Albanese, like Eric Way from Carrot, or like my friend Andrew Leonard at YouTube, or Dylan, and these people that have just amazing, amazing mindsets, uh, all in the combination, Sean and Danny from my uh, newsletter, mm -hmm. right, who are some of the, two of the best creatives that I know, right, and that's who I compare it to, I'm like, my storytelling sucks compared to them, yeah. right, it's like, it's just who you anchor yourself to, right, and it's like the combination of all of these like huge influences in my life that have um, led me to to like, I think the success and the self-awareness that I have today. Okay. Before we wrap it up, yeah. do you have a final challenge Ooh. for the audience? For someone listening right now who wants yeah. to improve themselves as a person or as a creator, do you have a challenge you could leave the audience with? Creator or person, you decide. Let's do both. Okay. Okay. Um, as a creator, um, let me think. I would say... The challenge should be to um, post one thing online. Um, if you didn't have to care about views, you didn't have to care about your part. Like, what is just one thing you want to post? Um, and the the only thing that you should concentrate about is like, what is the person you what is the person you are twenty years from now want to see? Mm -hmm. Right. One video is not going to change the world. Right. But just do it. Sorry. Like one video is not going to. Sure, it might not get as many views as like whatever your other content is, but just post one video. See how it makes you feel. Mm. So that's how uh, I would say to any creator. And to any person, um, wow, what a tough question. Um, I would say really understand how to cook. It'll change <laughs> your life. Um, no, I think out of all seriousness, I think a lot of people has like have a lot of aspirations and goals. And like um, one thing I've really reminded myself is the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like mm -hmm. that tip, that very top point, which is like self-actualization. It's like that you, all your dreams, your goals here 
can't come until you have that foundation set of, you know, make sure you have enough sleep and your head's in the right place and like you're eating right and that you have good people in your in your circles and you are just like physically, mentally happy and all that stuff. It's it you can't jump to the top unless all those bottoms are filled out. Mm. So what's the challenge? Oh, the challenge. Oh, yeah. yeah. OK. Um, oh, I'll do this because I'm going to do this super soon. And I think this is going to. I'm going to document this. Um, 24 hours, no technology. I love that. Just do it. That's so see, great. See what, see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen. I've never done it. It's amazing. Have you done it? Five days, no technology. You've done five days? Incredible. Went, turned all clocks off, everything in the room. Like, had, I went to an Airbnb. I learned more about myself and came to more conclusions. It's why this podcast is here today. Because Whoa. I wrote down a hundred guests and was like, "Oh, I need to do a podcast," Whoa. and then it led to this. So, were you uh, bored? Um, the first couple of days, yeah, bored m isn't really the right word mm. to describe it, but just wanted to. I needed the dopamine. If yeah. I felt like I needed a text message, or yeah, and so it was a great experience. So, so I, I, I recommend it. Twenty four hours okay, is cool. a great place to start. <laughs> He's like, that's, that's baby steps. <laughs> Where can we connect with you further? Oh, at Tejas Halur on everything. The positives having a unique name. I get all the handles. Yes. Yes, so. you do. And they're all linked below. Oh, thank you, man. Thank really you. This is awesome. Yeah. It, this was incredible. I'm appreciate so grateful for, for you. Grateful for you. Yeah. Who knew one dinner where we ate jellyfish and sat next to each other? <laughs> hey, let's do this. An cool. incredible podcast. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you all.